Luke chapter 19. I will read for us uh, verses 1 through 10. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they, had, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray, let's ask for God's help, and then let's dive in. Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, we want to know you more. We want to attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of God's Son. We want to see you in all of your glory. And like Zacchaeus, we want to see who Jesus is. Lord, I pray that you would do that work among us. Lord, it must be the work of the Holy Spirit in all of us as we hear from you today. Would you be among us and would you do the preaching? Would you hide your servant behind the cross and let Jesus only come forth uh, to the praise of the glory and your grace? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so to dive right in, I'm not going to um, do anything fancy. I want to take a good look at our Savior today, and mainly I want to do that in two parts. One is Jesus and his encounter with Zacchaeus, and Jesus and his stay with Zacchaeus. So his encounter and his stay. Before we dive into that, I want to give us some context and some highlights of the story, just so we're all on the same page. And so right before this, if you look up in your Bibles, uh, Jesus just finishes healing a blind beggar. He just finishes healing a blind beggar named Bartimaeus in other Gospels. If you look at verse 35 in that previous chapter, it tells us where Jesus is, his actual location. He tells us, as he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was by the road. So he is nearing Jericho a passage ago, and then... Uh, during, after he does that miracle, the crowd is praising God for such a miracle, and they're probably still obsessed with Jesus, right? And so uh, he is about to enter into Jericho, and he does this miracle, and there's a crowd around him because of the blind man he just healed. And so now we come to our story in verse 1, in verse 1, and now he's not drawing near to Jericho, but he entered Jericho, right? You see that? He entered Jericho. And the crowd is probably still surrounding Jesus at this point. And here we find a man named Zacchaeus, named Zacchaeus. He is not just a regular tax collector, we're told. Uh, we are told that he is a chief 
tax collector. Not a regular one, but a chief tax collector. Uh, some people think that he, is, he was at the top of the pyramid, and so all the collections that the tax collectors make, uh, he gets a piece of all of those collections. Right, so all of those collections, uh, he gets a piece of that. So he is filthy rich, right, to uh, put it that way. And so, you know, he's a chief tax collector, but we have to understand that society hated normal tax collectors enough. They hated normal tax collectors enough. One, there were Jews, there were Jews working for the enemies who had conquered them, the Romans, right? And so tax collectors are hated enough. And so these tax collectors are viewed as traitors to the Jewish people. They're viewed as traitors to the Jewish people. And so I was, you know, I was saying this before, but if you really notice the Jewish people, they're a very communal people, right? Um, I, I grew up in a Korean church. I was there for about maybe 14 years. It's a very community-based uh, culture. I, I'm, I'm at, I've been at a couple American churches now. It's more individualistic, right? Good or bad, not my call, right? But that's, that's the thing I'm noticing. And so when the, when the Jewish people are going to betray them as tax collectors, they're all the more offended because they're one big family. They're one big community. Tax collectors did not only take the required portion for taxes, but they cheated people and they took more. Their own people, they cheated. The poor became poorer and the rich became richer. And Zacchaeus even admits to this later on. He says, Lord, if I cheated anyone, verse 8, of anything, if I've cheated anyone of anything, I will repay them four times. Right, so he even implies that he stole money from people along the way. And so, and so Zacchaeus to the public is public enemy number one, right? He is not liked, to say the very least. But here he is. We see we are introduced to a man named Zacchaeus. And if you look at verse 3, he says he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who he was. My guess is that he probably heard about Jesus somewhere. He probably heard about him somewhere, and he wanted to learn more. Some of the possible uh, options that he could have heard from was, one, the current commotion on the street, right? He's on the street, and there's this huge crowd, and there's this huge commotion of people, and so he may have been drawn by that. My guess while studying is that he was, I, I have a, I, while studying, I came to the conclusion that it may be that he heard from his tax collector friends about Jesus, Right? We know other tax collectors, at least five more, that Jesus personally met and called and ate with. And so he may have heard from those who were under him, hey, there is a man who eats with us. Although no one else will, there is a man who will sit with us and stay at our house and eat with us. There is someone who wants to befriend us. So he could have heard on the street, he could have heard from his friends, his tax collector buddies, or he could have heard on TV. Right? Okay, that's a joke. You got that. So you're with me. You're with me. All right, that's a joke. Not, not TV. There's no TV back then. Um, but those are some possible options um, by which he could have heard. But we're told in the story that he couldn't. He couldn't see Jesus. He tells us he is small in stature. I think the modern day for that is he's a short guy. Right? He's a short dude. And so he runs. He's short. And so he runs ahead and he climbs a tree. And so he wants to, to, to get a view of Jesus. And so Jesus comes to where he is, he calls him, and he tells him to come down because he has to stay at his house. 
Zacchaeus hurries down and receives him joyfully, we're told. And then after that, the crowd gets upset. Right? They said he has gone in to be the guest of a sinner, the guest of a tax collector, the guy that stole all our money. He's going to eat with him. But Jesus doesn't care, and he goes and goes uh, to the house of Zacchaeus. And as they spend time together, Zacchaeus must have seen the beauty of Christ. And as we see, we see that in his confession after, he says, Look, Lord, I give half of my stuff to the poor, and anything I've cheated from someone, I will pay them back four times. And then the story ends in verses 9 and 10, and he says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so there's a little bit of context, some highlights on the story, just so we're all on the same page. And so with that, we will dive in first to Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. So he, Zacchaeus, ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. I really just want to drive home what's going on there. Zacchaeus is running to the tree. He's like, okay, I hope I can at least get a look of what this guy looks like or what he's all about and what the commotion is all about. But Jesus, Jesus, he literally takes the, the proper amount of steps and he stops and he looks up and he looks him right in the eyes. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house. He knew exactly why he had come and why he was there. And so I just really want to take us to the scene. He stops and he looks up to this guy on a tree and he knows his name. And he has never met him before, but he knows his name. And so I want us to notice five things that we can take away from Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. One, Jesus knew why he was there. He knew the exact time, the place, the hour, and the spot. He knew the exact step he had to take until he would stop, he would look up, he would look the chief tax collector in his eye and say, Zacchaeus, Come down, hurry, I must stay at your house. Jesus knew why he was there. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. He entered Jericho and he was passing through. He was passing through. And believe it or not, uh, this, this is actually Jesus on the way to heal or to raise Lazarus from the dead. You guys know John chapter 11. This is actually him on his way uh, to Bethany where Mary and Martha and Lazarus are. So he is passing through Jericho, but he certainly did not pass by Zacchaeus. He was passing through Jericho, but he did not pass by Zacchaeus. But uh, Jesus says in John chapter 6, I will lose none that the Father has given me. And so even though this seems like it's not part of his agenda, it is very well on his agenda. Jesus knew why he was there. Second, Jesus knew who he was coming for. Jesus knew who he was coming for. In verse 5, Jesus came to the place. He looked up and said to him, he didn't say yo, right? He didn't say, hey, man. He didn't say, dude. He said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down from the tree. 
Jesus knew who he came for at that very trip he was making. And so we picture Zacchaeus, and he's like, how does he know my name? Right? So that's the second thing. Jesus knew who he was coming for. And so now we have to answer the question, how well did Jesus know him? How well did he know him? I think, that, I think the easy answer is he's God. Of course he knows him well. Right? But three, Jesus knew very well who he was coming for. And I want to I wanna prove it to you from God's word. How well did Jesus know who he was coming for? How well did he know him? Ephesians 1. This is what Paul tells us about our, our election. God says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him before the world began. And so before ages began, he wrote down Zacchaeus' name in his book, and he knew him. He knew him very, very well. Jesus did not choose Zacchaeus as a last-minute decision. This wasn't like, okay, a sinner, all right, bring him along, all right? This wasn't that. Even in the midst of a crowd, and this is a very busy crowd, but Jesus knew exactly who he would choose and exactly who he would save and exactly whose house he would stay at. Jesus knew him very well. He had his eye on Zacchaeus before the foundation of the world, this filthy sinner. Jesus had his eye on him. That very day, Zacchaeus met Jesus for the first time, but that was not the first time Jesus knew Zacchaeus because he knew him before the foundation of the world. And, or as my, as my hood friends would say when I was younger, we used to hang out. My friends from the hood would say, Jesus been new Zacchaeus, right? as they say in the slang. Right? Jesus been new Zacchaeus. So brothers and sisters, you who believe you are not a last-minute decision by God. He did not just see you and, and say, okay, let's bring him along. Fine. He had his eye on you before the foundation of the world. He really, really knew you and had his eye on you, and he, and he brought you to himself in love, and he chose you before the world began. And so how well did Jesus know him? How well did Jesus know you? Simply put, very, very well. And so, brothers and sisters, if he had his eye on us that far back, then we ought to be encouraged because he will finish what he started. He will finish what he started. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. So we see the third thing we, have, we ought to consider is Jesus knew very well who he came for. Fourth, consider possible thoughts going on in Zacchaeus' mind at this point, in Jesus' encounter with him. I have a couple. One, as I mentioned before, he freezes. He's like on the tree, right? He's like just hanging on to a, a tree here. And he says, how does he know my name? How does he know my name? How does he know me? Two, if indeed he did hear from his tax collector friends, right, we're not sure about that, but that's, that's the way I'm leaning. I think he did. He was also thinking my friends were right. There is a man who eats with tax collectors and befriends sinners. My friends were right. This is the one that I've heard about, the prophet, the son of David, the son of God, the perfect sacrifice for sin. He eats with sinners. He eats with us even though no one else will. Right? There's this, there's this uh, line in Job chapter 42 after Job sees God, after all the trial he's been through, and then God rebukes Job, 
And then Job is like stunned by the glory of God. And he says to God, God, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. And so Zacchaeus, right, he was just on, he was just on the way to see, uh, he had heard about Jesus, he's trying to see who he is, but now, but now he had heard of him by the earing of, hearing of the ear, but now his eyes have seen him for himself. That's the second thing he would be thinking, my friends were right, there is, he's alive, he's the real thing. The third thing is, that he could have been thinking is, out of all these people, he chose me. It's a big crowd, right? I mean, if I healed a blind guy, I would bet a lot of people would be flocking to this church right now. I can't, I can't do that. But um, out of all these people, Zacchaeus is thinking, Jesus chose me. Jesus had his eye on me, the chief tax collector. No one would ever eat with me and stay at my house. I mean, who would? Who would forfeit the reputation to do such a thing? But Jesus will. He says he must stay at my house. I am a happy man. But we have to ask, Lord, you know, what about all the money he stole? What about all the books he's written deceitfully? What about all the poor people's money he extorted? Like, those are real things. Like, this guy's an actual sinner. What about, the, what about because he took money from this poor family, they couldn't pay rent that month? Or they couldn't eat dinner that week. What about all the, what about the, the money that he took so that that one child in that family died that time? Lord, what about that? What about all of his faults? We hear the Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 2. Those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Right? We, have, we know of no other God in any other religion who comes and is seeking bad people for himself. Who is bad? Let me have him for myself. Who is wicked? Who is ungodly? Come to me. Jesus says about Zacchaeus, he is mine. I set my eyes on him before the world began. I see his sin, but my grace goes deeper. I have loved him with an everlasting love. He is the one I seek. He is the one I'm looking for. He is the one I want to save. And so in light of that, the fifth thing I want us to see in Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus is to remember this always. Jesus is looking for bad people. Are you bad? Then Jesus is for you. This God is for you. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And so brothers and sisters, to that end, may we always pray to see our sin ever before us. May we not graduate out of the fact that we are sinners. And let's pray that God would always show his sin to us. I was listening to a sermon by this guy named Kevin DeYoung. He's a great preacher. And he was talking about something in Psalm 139 that he would pray. And God says when he prays this, well, well he said when he prays this, God answers his prayer in seconds, in minutes, and in days sometimes. Or well, he actually went days, you know, uh, minutes or even seconds, God answers this prayer. And this is the prayer in Psalm 139. Oh God, search me and know my heart. Test me and try my thoughts. See if there is any sinful, grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Guys, I've, try I've tried that prayer, brothers and sisters, pretty quick, pretty quick. He answers that prayer pretty quickly. 
And so may we always be praying that so that our sin would be ever before us, so that we may not forget that Jesus comes for bad people. After we see that, let us run to the arms of Jesus, those arms so firm and so strong, yet so tender and so kind. The arms of our lover is also the arms of the great physician. Let us run to his arms as soon as we see our sin, and he will take us there. Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus wants us to notice five things. One, he knew why he was there. He knew who he came for. He knew very well who he came for. We consider Zacchaeus' thoughts, and we see that Jesus is looking for bad people. So we see his encounter, his initial meeting with Zacchaeus. Second, let's look at Jesus' stay with Zacchaeus, his stay. Like, so he goes over to his house, and he stays there. Look with me at verses 6 and 7. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. That's Zacchaeus. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone and to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Right, he has gone, that guy that steals all our money all the time, how could he go to his house? But that is the house that Jesus enters. Regarding Jesus' stay, we don't know too much. Right? We don't know what they talked about or uh, what Jesus said. But we do know that Zacchaeus had a real encounter with Jesus. Because he says right after, Lord, I mean, if this is the truth, then I will give half of my stuff to the poor. And anything I've stolen, I will pay it back four times. My humble bet is that Jesus told him that he is a bad person living a bad life, doing bad things to people, and ultimately offending and sinning against his maker and his God. But that Jesus, he, he, he doesn't leave this out, that Jesus himself came for bad people like Zacchaeus. To accept him, to love him, to be his friend, to eat and stay with him, to forgive him, and to eventually lay down his life for him. And that even if no one else, Jesus says to him, I could picture, even if no one else will come to your house, I will. I will befriend you. I will stay with you. I will accept you, even if no one else in the crowd will. He truly is the friend of tax collectors and sinners. And we know that upon seeing the beauty of Christ, when we really see his beauty, that he is worth giving everything for. Look at me at verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, if this is true, if your grace is sufficient, if you accept me as I am, even though I've sinned against you, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Oh, brothers and sisters, upon seeing who Jesus is, Zacchaeus cannot help but to offer it all, surrender it all back to Jesus as we sang before. Oh, brothers and sisters, the need to see Jesus for who he is and for him to show us who he is. Like Zacchaeus, he climbed up the tree because he wanted to see who Jesus was, the person, the man Christ, Jesus. May it be our greatest desire in our constant prayer, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, O God. And so as we wrap up Jesus' stay with Zacchaeus, we see in verses 9 and 10, 
After Zacchaeus says, I will give my stuff away, I will pay people back, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is clearly not Jesus here, because we know in other places in God's word that Jesus is saying that you are saved by works. Like, that is not what this is, right? But upon a real encounter with him, Zacchaeus declares his commitment. But interestingly, when Zacchaeus says, I will give my money and I'll pay people back, Jesus doesn't say, like, hey, man, you should have been giving your money back. This is, this is old news. He doesn't condemn him. You were filthy rich to begin with, man. You should have given that money away. Instead, Jesus reminds us and him that we are not defined by how much we can offer him or how much we can pay people back or how good of a Christian life we live, but he tells us we are defined by who we are in him. And I want to prove it to you that it's actually in the text. Verse 9, this is what Jesus, after he says, I'll pay people back, I'll give my stuff away, this is what Jesus says. Today salvation has come to this house, here's the key, since he also is a son of Abraham doesn't look anything at his deeds. He looks at the fact that he is a son of Abraham and a son of God. Remember that parable in, uh, in Luke chapter 15 with uh, the prodigal son? In our, when I was at my Korean church, we call that parable of the lost son, but we don't use that title here. Um, but the prodigal son, we know that story. We know when the son comes back, you guys remember when the older brother gets very upset? Yeah, he like kind of goes into a rage. And he says, I've worked for you all these years, and you haven't even given me a lamb to celebrate with my friends. But this sinner comes home, and he, and he, and he brings prostitutes unto your property, and you throw a feast for him. Well, how does that make sense, Father? Right, we see he's looking at all the stuff that he did those past years. And this is what the Father responds, as it is a picture of our Father. He says, son, you are always with me, and all that I am, all that I have is yours. He doesn't remind him, oh, you didn't do enough that time. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't clean the, the, the rake that time, right? He says, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. He reminds him of who he is, not what he's done. And so, and so but brothers and sisters, that is a real temptation, isn't it? to be defined by how much we're doing, as, even as Christians. How much am I working? How much am I doing this or doing that or serving or this? Always a temptation to define ourselves by what we do above who we are. Jesus does this again in, uh, when the 72 disciples come back after they preach and drive out demons. They're like, Lord, we drove out demons in your name. It was so cool. And, they said to, and, they, and he says to them, um, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yeah, good job. But he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice that you drove out many demons, but that your name is written in heaven. What is Jesus saying there? Right? Because it's tempting to say, Lord, I drove out 50 demons, but Peter drove out 100. Like, it's easy to look at self when we're serving. But Jesus says, nevertheless, don't look at that. Look at the fact that your name is written in heaven and that I have loved you with an everlasting love. Right? Remember that. That's in Luke chapter 10. And so, beloved, I want to remind you, remember who you are in him above your performance. That you are loved and well-known 
and particularly sought out. You were in the middle of the crowd like Zacchaeus, but God had his eye on you. And he knew you before the foundation of the world. Remember that Jesus is looking for bad people like you, that there is no more condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that you are the blood-bought bride of the king. Remember who you are in Jesus. And then when you're done with that, look at Jesus himself. Look at Jesus himself and keep your eyes on him. I love this, I love this uh, third verse in, a, in an old hymn in the 1700s. Uh, the Sands of Time Are Sinking is the, the title. This is what he writes. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. All right. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. Look at Jesus and see how far he went to have you for himself. Remember how he said he will never leave you or walk out on you. Remember how he said he will finish what he started. Remember that you are more sinful than you will ever know. Remember that you are more loved than you'll ever imagine. Remember his pierced hand and his wounded side. Remember Thomas says, if I don't see the hands and and his side myself, I will never believe. And then Jesus comes to him. That's his heart. He comes to Thomas and he says, feel my hands and touch my side and believe. Remember his pierced hand and his wounded side. See the father's love poured out on you and me as the father's punishment is poured out on his son. I'm not, a, I'm not a father, so I don't know what it's like to have a son or a daughter, but many of you have children, and so you guys can relate. But God gives us a very helpful story in the book of Genesis when um, we know that Jacob worked for Rachel, right, his favorite wife. He says he worked for her for seven days, but it felt like a day to him because he loved her that much. And we know that through Rachel, he had two sons. One is Joseph, who was sold off in the slave trade, and the other one was, you guys know? Yeah, I'm hearing it. Yeah, Benjamin, right? Benjamin's the other son. And so Joseph's already gone, and there's no food as they're in the land of Goshen, and they need to go back to Egypt where Joseph is the prince. And Joseph pretty much sabotaged his brothers, and he says, I, I'm going to hold your brother hostage, and I want to see that other brother of yours, that one who stayed home. Who is it that stayed home in the bosom of the father? It is Benjamin. And so we see the father's heart even as uh, the brothers come back and they're like, Dad, Jacob, uh, we got to take him or we're not going to get food. And plus, our brother Simeon is locked up. He wants to see Benjamin. And Jacob says, oh, take him. Why have you brought such trouble upon my head? If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Take him. He is my only son left of my favorite wife. And so we see we get a picture of the father's heart and he gave him. Isaiah 53, it was his will to crush him, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. He didn't do it when you were running towards him, like, yeah, Lord, I'm coming back. He did it when you were spitting on his face and trampling on his law and no regard for the one who made you and calls all the shots on your life. 
For God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See how the Father and the Son were separated so that you can be grafted in. 1 John 3, see what kind of love the Father has shown to us that we should be called children of God. I mean, I don't know if we think about this enough, but it's the kind of father where in Luke 15, do you guys remember how the father reacts when the son comes home? He's jumping up and down, right? He can't contain the compassion, and so he runs out to him when he sees him on the road. That is the heart of our father. He is pleased with us in Christ. And this is, and this the love of God was shown to us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. And so we conclude with the final verse of our text, which beautifully summarizes our time today and our Savior's person. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Brothers and sisters, can I humbly remind you, you did not do the coming, you did not do the seeking, and you, we certainly did not do the saving. But Jesus did all of the coming. He did all of the seeking. He did all of the saving. He did all of the dying and the rising again to validate that, that his death was meaningful. First John 4, we love because he first loved us, right? To Christ the Lord, let every tongue its noblest tribute bring. When he is the subject of the song, who can refuse to sing? Survey the beauties of his face and on his glories dwell. Think of the wonders of his grace and all his triumphs tell. He saw me plunged in deep distress. He fled to my relief. For me, he bore the shameful cross and carried all my grief. His hand a thousand blessing pours upon my guilty head. His presence gilds my darkest hour and guards my sleeping head. To him I owe my life and breath and all the joys I have. He makes me triumph over death and saves me from the grave. To heaven, the place of his abode, he brings my weary feet shows me the glories of my God and makes my joys complete. Paul says the love of Christ controls us. For we know that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Will we live for him, brothers and sisters? Amen? Let's pray. Father, to Christ the Lord, let every tongue, Lord, may we bring our noblest tribute. Help us to see the glory of Christ day in and day out and to see how the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, help us to follow you, to walk with you, to know you, and like Zacchaeus, even if we have to climb up a tree to see who 
Jesus is. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen.